Today we are celebrating the uh, first of the scrutinies of um, our catechumen, Rene, and uh, the, the prayers of the Mass, Rene, are all for you. It's a special ritual Mass for the, for the scrutinies today. And in fact, uh, uh, your sponsor, uh, Judy, gets a mention in the Eucharistic prayer today as well. Um, and that we hear about in the gospel of this scrutiny mass, the spring of water welling up to eternal life, which is the Holy Spirit being poured into our hearts, which is uh, confirmed and strengthened us through the sacraments and all the teachings of the church so that we can worship in spirit and in truth. And that's what really Rene is looking forward to at Easter, when the, the Holy Spirit will be poured into her heart in baptism so that she can join us in that fullness of right and true worship. Part of that is, one of the riches we have in the church is that we're taught. We have the beautiful teaching of the church. I want to dwell on one particular aspect of the church's teaching today in the light of the, the Alabama State Supreme Court ruling on February 16th that frozen embryos qualify as children and that the wrongful death of, of a minor act applies to all unborn children, regardless of their location. And this was in response to couples whose embryos were destroyed in 2020, when a hospital patient removed frozen embryos from storage equipment, destroying them. And so here we have the huge moral maze that has uh, resulted from in vitro fertilization, IVF. And uh, I just want to be sure that you, my parishioners, understand and know what the church teaches on this matter. The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, as it was called then, issued a document called Donum Vitae in 1987, when the then Cardinal Ratzinger was prefect of the congregation. Notice the first word of that document, Donum Vitae, gift. Gift, life is a gift. Now, it's not a right. Now, for many, infertility is undoubtedly a cause of great sadness. It can be a heavy burden for them. And there are many morally justified ways of treating or assisting procreation in the case of infertility or difficulty in, in, in conceiving. But we have to be reminded that life is a gift. It is not a right. No married couple has a right to be able to conceive. It is, it is a gift given to them from God. And there's a very important principle to keep in mind, that the procreation of offspring must always be in the context of the marital act. That is the union of a man and a woman who are married. Now we know that science enables the fertilization by other means whereby fertilized, unfertilized eggs removed from a woman, fertilized by male genetic, genetic material, obtained immorally outside the context of the marital act. And there you have the first immoral act which leads to the moral maze that, that ensues following that. I'll just interject that I was asked last night, does this apply to animals? I need to assure you, no. <laughs> In vitro fertilization of animals is, is quite all right, but not 
human beings. Artificial insemination of animals is fine, not human beings. The fertilization of numerous eggs results, results in the coming into being of numerous new human beings. Persons distinct from the parents and from one another with souls infused into them by Almighty God with inherent, the inherent right to life and protection from all harm. They are not to be used for experimentation or research. Whatever is done to them must be for their benefit and their benefit alone. From these embryos are selected some to implant in the womb of the mother. Now for those which are selected, this is a good thing, for they are able, they have the opportunity of being brought to, to birth. Yet man is playing God, and in selecting which to implant and which to preserve, he is playing God. And some he will select to implant, others will be consigned to deep freeze storage, others will be consigned for research and destruction. And in the case of multiple embryos proving viable in the womb, often there is selective reduction by means of abortion. The resulting human being from this technology, a baby, is a good of infinite value. This baby is a wonderful thing, but he or she has been produced in a manner contrary to the natural law, for he or she has been produced in a manner that does not treat life as a gift but as a right. As contraception severs the unitive aspect of the marital act from the procreative, eliminating the procreative aspect, so IVF severs the procreative aspect of, of marriage from the unitive, for procreation occurs without or independently of that unitive marital act. And furthermore, the dilemma of what to do with millions of stored frozen embryos arises, which is really insoluble. To be stored in deep freeze in this way is contrary to the dignity of the human being. There also happens to be the serious risk of death or harm through the thawing process. The only just solution for these human beings against whom an injustice is being perpetrated is to implant each one of them into the womb of its mother. Failing that, what to do? Well, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith in the year 2008, when the former Archbishop of Portland, Cardinal Levada, was prefect, issued another document called Dignitas Personae, the dig on the dignity of the person, in which it, we were reminded that the majority of unused embryos become orphans as the parents do not want them. And the document states, the proposal that these embryos could be put at the disposal of infertile couples as a treatment for infertility is not ethically acceptable for the same reasons that which make artificial heterologous procreation illicit, as well as any form of surrogate motherhood. Heterologous procreation is when the, a third party comes in, when the the, uh, the gametes, the embryo, is not the product of the married father and mother, but there's, there's the intervention of someone else. Could even be the one in whom the, the eggs are implanted. And we're reminded of what's said in the earlier document that I mentioned, Donum Vitae, 
The spouses have a right to become father or mother only through each other, not through the genetic material of a third party outside the marriage. The child has the right to be conceived, carried in the womb, brought into the world, and brought up within marriage. Dignitas Personae continues, it has also been proposed solely in order to allow human beings to be born who are otherwise condemned to destruction, that there could be a form of prenatal adoption. We could call it embryo adoption. This proposal, the Congregation of Doctrine of Faith teaches, praiseworthy with regard to the intention of respecting and defending human life, prevents, presents, however, various problems not dissimilar to the, the ones just outlined. All things considered, it needs to be recognized that the thousands of abandoned embryos represent a situation of injustice which, in fact, cannot be resolved. Therefore, the congregation quotes Pope St. John Paul II, the, who, who made an appeal to the conscience of the world's scientific authorities, and particular to doctors, particularly to doctors, that the production of human embryos be halted taking into account that there seems to be no morally licit solution regarding the human destiny of the thousands and thousands of frozen embryos which are and remain the subjects of essential rights and should therefore be protected by law as human persons. It's quoting an address given by Pope John Paul II in 1996. So as Catholics, we adhere to the natural moral law. That is a law that is in accord with reason and nature, and not simply an arbitrary law of the church which she wishes to impose on us or on society. What the church teaches in this matter, she teaches because it is true. And we will find ourselves in conflict with a society that enthrones individual rights as absolutes, and no longer respects the gifted nature and the sanctity of human life. But we have faith in our Lord Jesus and in his church. It was to the woman of Samaria at that beautiful encounter in the well to whom our Lord said, I am he, the Messiah, the Christ, who is speaking with you. And we are so blessed that the church continues to speak in his name. And I hope that our, our elect, Renee, and our candidates who are preparing for reception to the church, that one of the things they, they, they're coming for is that truth. That it will be a source of great consolation to them that in the midst of this confusing world in which we live, the church is able to communicate to them the, 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 the truth in accordance with human reason, that it is rational. We teach the truths of the world, of nature, in accordance with the natural law, as well as those truths that cannot be known by reason and which are revealed to us by, by our Lord and through the, through the scriptures and tradition of the church. But in this matter, the church is simply teaching according to reason and natural law without doubt, aided by the Holy Spirit. And that's the beautiful thing about our faith. We are able to see things more clearly because we are aided by the Holy Spirit who has been poured into our hearts
and wells up like living water. So we may thirst no more, but be certain that we have the truth dwelling within us.